Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, CEO at Fin, and I am joined by a good friend of mine, Jeremy Young from Lumira, who is in charge of partnerships. And I guess you could go figure out if that's his real title. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you, Connor? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm doing amazing. Coming off of a long, long break because of Thanksgiving. Hope you ate a lot of turkey. It's one of those nice ones where you have to like check. Is it, is it Saturday today? Is this like yeah. Saturday 3.0? It's pretty great. Yeah. And you get to Friday or, or Saturday and you're like, it feels like it's Sunday or Monday, but it's not. And then you just go back to sleeping because you're still tired. I should be going to work tomorrow, but college football's on. I'm very confused. Exactly. Exactly. So today, uh, one, of the, one of the things you had suggested bringing to conversation was MSAs for MSPs and why they matter in selling cyber. Uh, but first, what is an MSA? What's included in it? MSA, what I'm referring to here is the Master Services Agreement. And every, uh, and you and I, we work with MSPs predominantly, MSPs being managed service providers, of course. And every MSP who sells managed services, which honestly not all do, they need a Master Services Agreement that kind of covers, it's an umbrella agreement that covers all of their legalese between them and their clients and should incorporate some things, what, whatever, between their vendors that they need to pass through onto their clients for, I mean, MSPs have to wear a lot of hats and usually they don't have an in-house counsel. And so usually they've kind of cobbled together an MSA, MSA depending on where they are in their maturity journey. Uh, but I, it is often not utilized as like a sales tool as a lever. And my thesis is that it should. How could an MSA be leveraged? Uh, you know, I actually always talk about when you're actually doing sales, you're not selling a thing. You're selling a business transformation, especially as an MSP. You're taking your client from A to wherever they've decided B is. And if you're really good at your job, you'll get to influence what B is and they will be a better company as a result. But how does your MSA, how can you leverage it to do that, to be a part of that They're, conversation? They should, all MSPs are just solving business problems and just listen to their clients and try to solve those problems. And you're going to do it through the guise of technology, but to them, it could just be like magic. But specifically, from looking at cybersecurity, uh, and I know a lot of MSPs who have done this and done this with great success. So for a long, long time, MSPs were really just in charge of IT, right? And that was their full domain. They knew how to do it really well. And then 2016, when antivirus and firewalls started being not enough anymore, they had to start the cybersecurity journey. And now we need all these things. And you and I, I'm sure here constantly like, we know we need that, but that's, that's like another thing. And they've been, their clients, they and their clients feel like they've been nickel and dimed through this cybersecurity piece because it's a never ending game of cat and mouse. Well, where the MSA can come in to help with that is that the whole idea of the managed services industry came out of, hey, stop doing break fix. Like break fix, meaning something goes wrong, client calls you, it breaks, you go fix it. And there's even like a chain. I think it's mostly cell phone stuff, but it's like, I break you fix is the yeah. name of the chain. And I, I laugh every time I drive by one of those. But the whole idea was 
get away from that. Stop billing reactively and start billing proactively. At the beginning of every month, we're going to charge you this amount. And then you don't have to worry about all these things. And we're going to replace all this stuff before it breaks. Well, that happened a good long time ago. And cybersecurity kind of thrust the MSPs back into this break fix type of arrangement where the breaking wasn't a server breaking anymore. It was a cybersecurity incident. And they're going to now, instead of the uh, call on fire with my Active Directory server is down, well, now it's I don't have access to anything because I've been locked out because of XYZ ransom or whatever. So we've put ourselves back into this break fix uh, method of business. But the problem is their MSP's MSA says that, well, you pay this one flat fee and we take care of everything. Well, the idea behind that was never to have all cybersecurity stuff included in that everything because MSPs are not MSSPs. They are not cybersecurity experts. They are doing what they need to do to keep their clients up and on board and and moving down the lane and in, in compliance. But I think most of them would say, we don't want to be an MSSP. We just want to do the things we need to do. So really, there's a few things that your MSAs should do. Uh, it needs to limit your liability. You need to look at the liability limitations that you have. And, and this is not legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. Just throw that out there. Uh, but you make sure all of your bases are covered when you are doing business with Bloomeras and Fins of the world, because we're limiting ours. You should limit yours in accordance. You should define your services, define what you do, and more importantly, what you don't do, what's included, what's extra, even in the all-you-can-eat package, because incident response from a cybersecurity incident shouldn't necessarily be blanket included unless you are pricing that accordingly. What you don't want to do is give a cost per seat for this all-you-can-eat model and have it include everything possible under the sun when you're not even sure what that's going to look like in three years. So. A lot of feedback that I've received over the years, I'm sure Connor can attest to this, is, well, my clients just want to opt out. They don't want that thing. They'll just, they'll sign a waiver. They'll sign a liability waiver saying, you told me so, and I'm not going to do it. Well, that's fine. But then if they're still on this all-you-can-eat package, they're going to get cyber incidents because they didn't do what you asked them to do. And then you're responding to it and giving them basically free hours because they didn't do what you asked them to do. So if you define what you do, if you find what you don't do, and then you define your hourly rates for IR, you can create this leverage point where every time they send in a ticket that's related to a cybersecurity thing that would have been solved by a solution that they opted out of, you can bill them for an hour of your professional services. And when they start asking about why that is, like, well, you didn't do the thing. You didn't get the SIM, you didn't get the phishing awareness. And now every time I have to reset a password because you guys get business email compromised because you didn't follow, you clicked on a link you shouldn't have because you didn't follow the training, that's an hour of professional services, which then creates a pain point and a financial incentive for them to do what you always wanted them to do anyway. Because ultimately there's going to be a tipping point where they're paying more in incident response than they would if they just subscribed to the full cybersecurity stack. Yeah, it's uh. I think the, the the first conversation I always have with MSPs around that is how do they convince their client that they're that they should approach the they they should hold the when not if mentality that this is not a if you get hacked or if something happens if you get ransomed you know breaches look different depending upon the business and what actually occurs but it's from a perspective of 
this is going to happen at some point. Your employees uh, and, and the business that you do is too wide of an attack surface for something not to get compromised at some point. And all of this is in place to limit the scope and the effect of that breach being successful, which statistically at some point it will be if we're business partners over the next few years. And, and a couple of other things that can kind of help in the same vein is if you build some price increases into the agreement that just automatically happen annually, you then don't have to have specific conversations about, well, oh, I need to add a SIM this year. The increase is baked in and you can just use that margin for whatever tools you know you're going to have to. You don't know, you might not know what it is yet, but you know there's going to be something. Uh, and then also something that I've seen success with, Connor, last time you got your oil changed, did, did you even shop the price? No. But if, if you ha- at some point in your life, you probably have. And yeah. when you shop that price, were you looking at what the like, oil disposal fee was? No, I just looked at the, the, the total at the bottom. Yeah, right, the top line. Because no matter where you go, that disposal fee is going to be there. We as humans have been trained in every transaction we do to not shop fees. Because fees, oh, they're out of my hands. No, nope, fee is the fee. Can't do it. The price, we can negotiate on price all day, but the fee, the fee is always going to be there. So I have MSPs, I have partners that start putting community security fees on every invoice they send out. And it's like a 1%, mean? a 2%. It doesn't mean anything. They just make it up. But what it means is they're adding a fee like below the bottom line, just like if you get a bill, if you go to the doctor, there's going to, if you go, if you get your telecom bill, God bless. There's going to be so many feet, your cell phone bill, everything. There's going to be, here's the number for the service. And then here's all these fees that if you, you and I travel so much. Look at your last hotel bill. About all, here's the room rate. And then here's these fees that pile up. Imagine if we're at a resort, the resort fee, all that kind of stuff. We don't ever shop those. Those are just there. And we are inherently like trained to accept them. And so I have MSPs that successfully just add like a community security fee. And if anybody asks, which most people don't, they'll say, well, hey, look, my security needs to be better than all of yours. And all of you always want to opt out of something. I can't opt out. And so we should all share in making sure that I have the best systems in place to secure all of you. And that community security fee is a part of that. And, you know, it's just increased your margin by 2%. You brought up a subject that is contentious for some earlier. You said MSPs are not MSSPs. That extra S is incredibly coveted. And in my mind, the, the difference between the two is do you sell legitimate security services? Not can you subscribe to a security tool and deploy it properly in a client, but do you actually provide a security package that creates security? And if you're doing it in some intelligent fashion, you'll map it back to whatever compliance framework you'd like. Uh, the, the, the flavor of the month most times, actually. What should an MSP be thinking about when they are deciding what's included in their MSA, what they will and will not do? How should they think about including those things? First, you need to have a self-realizing conversation about what is your subject matter expertise. And most MSPs should not want to be MSSPs. That extra S to me, to my definition, do you have a 24-7 SOC? And I'm not talking about the on-call engineer in the call tree. Like, do you have people, eyes on glass? 24-7, watching all these things, follow the sun or local. And that's usually where the line is drawn between an MSSP that runs runs a big boy sim like Hugh Radar or Splunk, and they have 
13 people on their sock, 24 seven, all that kind of stuff. You don't want to be that. Don't, don't go down that road. Make sure. And I, th- I think the kind of this tie goes hand in hand with the last thing I wanted to mention. Uh, and also I'll come back to answer the question in just a second. But if you ever rented an apartment, one of the things they do before you sign that lease is say, you have to show proof of renter's insurance. Yeah. We in our MSA should be requiring proof of cyber liability insurance. And so this, the, your question should kind of align with what are the things that the MSPs have to do in order to provide the service that they're trying to provide to their clients. And a lot of that right now is being driven by insurance industry, by f- certain frameworks, depending on what industry the clients are in, what industry vertical, there's going to be specific things. So they need to understand what are their core competencies and then across their clientele, because MSPs could have <laughs> any, any very different industry clients, do they need to have expertise in and what are they willing to do? And then where does that line need to be? And if you talk to a good lawyer, they're going to spend much more time trying to pry out of you, define the things you don't do because not defining that is what's going to get you into trouble. Yeah. Blanket statements uh, hurt everybody. Your client will expect things that you don't expect to provide. And that miscommunication is where a lot of, uh, I'll say friction, friction can come into play. Always and never are two words I always remember never to use. <laughs> I like that. For the um, cyber liability insurance uh, question, should it be that MSP should build their security practices based upon what cyber liability is recommending or requiring? Or is that a red flag that's like, if you're building your security practice on the back of a li- uh, cyber liability insurance, you probably shouldn't be building it in the first place? My general answer is pick a framework. Insurance isn't a framework, but a lot of the things that they ask for align to frameworks. And so our industry has done a lot of work around CIS and CIS has a controls navigator. So you can easily map it to any other frameworks, but your top of the line uh, package at this point, your, your new, all you can eat should be that compliance package. And it doesn't have to be, this is our CIS. It's like, this is the compliance package. And if you are beholden to this thing, And that's what, this is all the stuff we need to make you compliant. And cyber liability kind of comes along with that and maps usually to those frameworks pretty well. That makes a lot of sense. If there's anyone listening or watching that wanted to reach out to you or learn a little bit more about Blue Mira, uh, how would you suggest they do that? Uh, I'm a very easy person to get in contact with. My information is out there all over the place, but feel free to connect to me on LinkedIn, Jeremy Young on LinkedIn for Blue Mira. You can email me uh, or the easiest way to get in touch with the team to learn more about Blumira is msp at blumira.com. And uh, just go to blumira.com and hit the uh, partners page and reach out for more su- or more information there and we'll get back to back at you. Awesome. Uh, for folks listening or watching, we'll have links to all that in the show notes for you. So you can reach out to Jeremy or the team over there at Blumira. Uh, Jeremy, thanks so much for joining me today. I'd love to have you back on again to talk about some other fun stuff, but this was a blast chatting with you. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate the opportunity. Anytime. Thanks so much for listening and watching, everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.